throws it deep downfield to Tyree, who makes the catch at the 23-yard line. What a play by Manning, and what a catch by Tyree. Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. Pressing it against his helmet as he goes to the ground and not dropping it. All right, welcome to Catch the Moment Podcast. It's your boy, David Tyree. Got a super special guest. I'm right here in Glasshouse Studios in Vegas. Why? Because the heat is on and we're bringing it with my, my man, Jason Atianza. Thanks for coming through today, bro. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Yo, I can't believe you just told me it's your first podcast, bro. Yeah, it is my first podcast. You know, I uh, I don't know, I guess... Sometimes I get nervous a little bit about, you know, getting on stuff or whatever. Yep. And I was just saying that putting these headphones on, I'm like, damn, my, my voice sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. You you sound like you're about to be a commercial, you know, one of the voiceover specialists right now. <laughs> that, that might be a next thing on my, my list. <laughs> we got to add more to the resume, man. We got to add more to the resume. So, you know, you and I, we've been kicking it for a couple couple years now, man. It's, it's crazy how, you know, me coming out of the, the athletic world, just digging back into the, the traditional marketplace and being able to connect with all kinds of people. But of course, you know, the Jersey route. So, you know, we're going to get back to, you know, really what we're here for is the meaning behind the moment, right? At the end of the day, I, I really think you're just like one of the dopest artists I've ever seen. And I don't want to, I don't want to meet too many artists because I don't want anybody to come close to Jay Atianza. Oh, <laughs> so, but ultimately I'm like, man, this dude is dope. He's from Jersey, and we're going to get into, into some more of your story. But tell me, like, you know, before we, like, tell me what life was like growing up in, in good old Jersey, man. Because, you know, like, your story is intriguing in how you arrive to even, not just to Vegas, but, like, man, you, you, done, been th- you done been some places and did some things. Oh, man. It's definitely been a whirlwind the past couple of years. But, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I was born in the Philippines. You know, I came mm. to Jersey when I was two. So I, I grew up. In Jersey, uh, you know, we live in, what in part of Jersey? Jersey City. Yeah, bro, that make a whole lot of difference. <laughs> yeah, man, Chilltown, JC. Grew up there. You know, I was I was pretty much kind of, you know, immersed in from hip-hop to mm-hmm. the urban culture to, you know, sneakers, basketball. I mean, you name it. I mean, growing up, I was just, you know, I was a big Knicks fan, big Giants fan. You know, we... we you got, got the right it. ones, you know. <laughs> don't don't mess with the Jets, the Nets, and the Mets, you know. <laughs> I guess... I'm sorry, y'all. It's second-class citizens. Anybody who knows, knows, you know. <laughs> but all love, all love. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, so, you know, growing up in Jersey City, you know, it, I, I mean, I, I guess you can say I was kind of getting into a little trouble. Yeah, go, um, go ahead. Give us a little dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, I was, I, I was getting into trouble, you know, in my young adolescence, and I ended up getting kicked out of my freshman year in high school Ooh. in Jersey City. Okay. And so my parents sent me to live with my aunt and uncles in, in Edison, New Jersey. Okay. And uh, big shout to Edison. <laughs> <laughs> and and so um so yeah, I I, I had to finish uh, my high school years over there because, you know, I, I they just wanted me to just complete everything and of not, course. not get distracted by all the bull that was going around. Hey, you know? Listen, man, it's easy. So easy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and so so yeah, you know, through throughout my, my high school years, I was kind of I don't know. I guess you can say trouble always found me, right? Okay. For, for some reason, <laughs> and and you know, as as a teenager growing up, you you always want to try to find yourself like fit somewhere into the world, right? Like yeah. whether it's you know, I, I I guess I felt that I needed to get into trouble mm-hmm. in order to like you know yeah like a, like a form of acceptance. I, I, I same thing actually. I but I think it was the eighth grade. I was on probation just because you know I was trying to run with the cats who's who's getting into stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So everybody looking for they they finding their way. We trying to find respect, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I was thirteen years old, and I, I mean, I was. That's when I started really getting into like graffiti, and you know, like uh, causing all kinds of mess or whatever. You know, <laughs> getting getting into all kinds of yeah, things. artistic law breaking. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I mean, and and so you know, I I've always had an artistic background. Well, first off, I. You know, I, I, I picked up art through my dad, you know, when I was five. But we, we, we had a form of communication through the chalkboard because he was deaf and mute. And, uh, and so that's how we communicated. And, you know, wow. my dad had, you know, he, 
like in, back in the Philippines when he was growing up, he only reached like second grade. Okay. Because back then, during World War II, his uh, his school got destroyed, and Man. so you know he so he, instead of him going back to school, uh, he just started like helping you know his parents, my grandparents out on the farm this and all real. that, and you know he helped he helped them do that so his his sisters can go to go to college, get into education and all that, and so he was kind of you know doing his thing you know yeah sure the family was right yeah I mean you talk about real grown man decisions right here like as a as a kid yeah it's amazing how everybody's you know circumstances sometimes shapes decisions for us whereas of course we're in the land of immense opportunity oh yeah for but, sure but yeah. you you know that about your you know so that's some pedigree right there no i know and i you know and like as far as like his his education you know he, like when he came to the u.s like he he became a welder so he was working in a, in a factory welding and you know, he was great at using his hands. And I, I think that's how I picked up, you know, the art. And the thing is how he lost his hearing um, when he was five. You know, he had like, I think it was like a regular ear infection. Okay. And back then, you know, they didn't have any money for medicine. So it was, you know, so he kind of. So um, an ear infection turned to a loss of yeah. the sense. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy how, that's how that. Well, that's a gratitude moment. You, you just paused my soul right there. <laughs> That's a gratitude moment, man, just to be able to have not just opportunities, but just, you know, what we call, what we believe to be bare minimums, right? Especially in this, in this wealthy nation. So you, you actually start cultivating the relationship with art through your relationship with your dad. Yeah. I mean, he was my first, he was my first art teacher, my first collaborator. You so know, we, I mean, we were, we would always kick it like on the, the chalkboard and <laughs> kind of just, you know, like that's how I picked up all that stuff. And I'm very fortunate that you know, that's how it started. And for me, that's why uh, the visual language is such an important thing, you know, and for me to communicate, I've always gravitated towards like something visual, you know? Mm. Listen, it's, it's obviously, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I think it just speaks on so many different levels, man. So you, you know, you, you find, you, you cultivate this relationship with art through relationship with your dad, you navigate, you know, just life as a teenager. Like I said, we grew up in that in the, in the emergence of hip hop in that era, in, you know, 80s, 90s, right? So what, what would you say is like the, the, the turning point of maturity? And like, and I think it's, it's, it's great that you're acknowledging how we find acceptance, especially as men, right? Like, yeah. you know, like we, we shooting our shot and, and whatever, you know, and, and I grew up in this diverse town in Montclair that had everything going on. So I almost felt like, you know, because sports was my avenue, that's what gave me the, the stability and acceptance by stepping into that community. It's not always as easy to gain that acceptance and confidence in other areas. So what was the turning point, whether it was, you know, moving to, moving out of high school, touching? like when, when did you kind of come into your own as you mature? I think, well, probably when I just, when, you know, when I was living in Edison, I got my first job at Menlo Park Mall at Cinnabon. There you go. Big shout to <laughs> Listen, boy, if you know, you know. That's about 1,000, 1,500 calories right there, baby. Oh, man, I would have like four Cinnabons a day. You know I mean, I mean I, now, forget it. Hey, listen, big shout to Ocho versus, versus Science. That's back in the day when we was consuming calories. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, I started getting my own independence when I started making my own money, right? I, mean, mm. I was playing sports in high school. You know, I ran track and I, I played football, but... Once I got hired at Cinnabon, I was like, you know what? I, I think I need to just make money. This, this um, brand is working out for me. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> and and I, I felt that like I, I couldn't rely on anyone. I just need to rely on myself in order if I wanted something. Yeah. Especially if I wasn't living at home with, with my parents or whatever. So I just felt like that that independence helped me become Boom. who I am. Boom. I, I, I can see it now. I can see it. So just obviously your working experience, you know, began to create that confidence, stability, and because, like I said, I think especially in our generation, we were we had a lot more liberty, like as 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 teenagers, you know, out in the street, in your neighborhoods, taking buses, you know, that some of our kids, oh yeah, <laughs> they've never seen it done, right? So, all right, so what's the shift toward, you know, whether art is in the picture, or because I know that you have some experience, you, you know, you work traditional marketplace style too, so. So, so yeah, so art, I mean, I was, I was pretty much kind of drawing throughout my, you know, adolescence and, te and teenage years or whatever. And I, I took a bunch of art classes in, in high school. Was there a particular style that you, that you? Actually, no, no there, there wasn't. I just was like into everything. I mean, from, oh. you know, like regular illustration to collage to, you know, I mean, you name it, you know, printmaking. 
So I did all that um, in high school. And I remember it was my senior year. And, you know, that, that was probably like the, the most nerve wracking year of my my life because I felt like, oh, you know, now I have to figure out what college I'm going to go to. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I was kind of torn because coming from a very traditional Filipino background, you know, families want you to either, either become a doctor or a lawyer or <laughs> engineer or something that, you know, they know that's going to make money, right? And know that it's a lucrative career because first generation, you know, Filipino, come, like being in the States, they want to make sure that you're get, successful. You, we here to get, we here to get established. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, that's kind of one of my things about America being so dynamic because, you know, America is, is, is an immigrant nation. Like I told, you know, like once you settle you're dealing with some of the grappings and the entitlements that, you know, you know, like I said, the second or third generation, once a family's established, is totally different than the first generation because you realize different opportunities that in America might not be where you came from, right? Yeah. So, you know, like when they say doctor, lawyers, engineer, like, no, we need that. We, <laughs> we need that stability. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, they're, they're great fields and all, but like my passion, was, my passion wasn't there. Boom. That's Absolutely. The only, that's the only thing, you know, and I know a lot of people that have kind of like made their families happy to go into those fields. And, you know, they just, they're like, uh, but I'll, let me just they go. They forfeited something along the way. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live my life because of someone else's dream for mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And so, so yeah, so my senior year, I, you know, one of my, one of my, sorry, one of my art <laughs> teachers, I, I just said, Hey, I'm not, I'm kind of struggling right now as far as like what colleges to apply to. She's like, well, have you ever thought about going into art? I was like, um, not really. Well, you're like <laughs> one of my top students. Like, why don't you apply to half art colleges and half regular colleges and then see what happens. And so she encouraged me to do that. So I did. And I ended up getting accepted into the school of visual arts in New York city. Oh. And, you know, I just went with my gut. And at that point I said, you know what, I, I'm so passionate about art. And I think, you know, when you have a passion for something, it'll take you to as far as you want to go. And so mm. that mentality, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go do it. Yeah. I know, I know the, the stigma of like, oh, you're, you're going to be a starving artist or this and that. I'm yeah, like, you yeah. know what, that's fine, but I'm going to figure it out. You're going to shoot your shot. Yeah. I'm going to shoot my shot. You know, I'm going to just go do it. And you know, it, it just, it was just one of those things that, you know, I would say half, half of people's lives, they work, right? Yeah. I want to spend my whole life being able to like enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. So not thinking of work as work and thinking of it as like, you know, just something that I do and play and I mean, you name it. You know? Yeah. And you're delivering value. And like I said, you, because you find meaning and like I said, purpose within, within that work, you know that there's value there and you don't have to strive in your mind about, you know, how satisfied you are. Right. Yeah. yeah well, I, I think that's like, it's almost like a tension in that both realities exist. Right. So it's kind of like the athlete is a different form of an artist, right. He's a, he's a physical artist. And so, you know, I, I kind of acknowledge that tension, whereas the, the thought process of your parents and, and, you know, cause art and certain skills, like high performance skills, there's a demand for it, but maybe there's a, a smaller demand for it. Right. So you have to be so great at what you do for it to become profitable. Like, and, and you have the, I think you had a fantastic approach, but, you know, is, is that a reality? Maybe with your experience as an artist and you're, you know, you're raising children, there's starving actors, there's folks, we know, we know the other side of the equation oh, yeah. looks like, is, is there some sense of balance in, in, in relation to that pursuit? Or do you just feel like, you know what, just let the passion play out? I mean, you know, I, I thought about it. I, I think that, you know, going, going to art school, because I, I, I double majored in advertising and graphic design. And so, uh, okay. you know, I that's, wasn't just a fine artist. You that's, know what I mean? that's called hedging your bets right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to be hired right out of school at the, one of the biggest advertising agencies in the world, BBDO, Dope. New York. And so, so yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was, uh, was kind of crazy because, my, well, you know, com coming up as a, as a student in, in at School of Visual Arts, it was, it was a definitely a challenge financially because I'm like, oh man, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I, I graduated from working at Cinnabon to working at Staples. Right? <laughs> so, Quite the promotion, though. <laughs> yeah, I was making $2 more, man. Are you kidding me? 
It's real talk. No kids these kids kids these days won't even they'll scoff at that opportunity. Oh yeah, man. I mean, you know, but I, I, art supplies get really expensive, and so I had to just do whatever I could in order to like you know get through school. Mm. And I knew that if I was able to get through school, that I'll be able to like find a, a job, whether it's in like the advertising field or yeah. design field or whatever. And so, you know, I was fortunate enough. You know, I I just knew I just had to work my ass off, right? I love it. I love it. I had to work my ass off my my college years and fortunately my junior year I ended up getting awarded the, the biggest graphic design scholarship at the so that helped pay for my senior year of college that's big time and so that like changed everything I mean well, what also came with that scholarship was interning at Rolling Stone magazine that Ooh. summer and kind of so that was like it was a whole nother world that I was like in I was like oh my god this is crazy you know oh. That's, that's, that, that, first of all, it sound, well, you mentioned Rolling Stone. We already know what time it is, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you just entered a whole nother ecosystem, oh, right? Oh, man. The pop, the pop, you know, central of, of, of all things, right? Well, like how, so like with that, with that experience, was that something that like maybe immediately shifted, shifted something in relation to your confidence? Because I'm sure you're confident in your ability, your skill, your growing, your learning and all these things. But there's there's a point in everybody's journey where we're like, I, I think I really got something. <laughs> so was that was it was it that point or what? Maybe did it come later? Well, you know, when I was going through school, I remember it was my sophomore year. I was taking a typography class. Okay. Uh, and my typography teacher one day, he she just pulled me aside. She's like, Hey, Jason, uh, I just want to tell you that you have something. I was like, What? It's like, Yeah, you, you have something in you. You're, you're you're a born man. Mm. That put goosebumps through my body. I was like, really? Yeah. And so when more people started recognizing that and started telling me this stuff, yeah, I was like, I I I, I guess I just need to believe this thing. Yeah. And you know, not let these people down. <laughs> that's fantastic, bro. That's so because I I think that's that's the truth. Like that's more true in most people's experience than maybe we acknowledge, and whether they are true mentors or whether they were just people at an appointed time that that like breathed life into us and shaped us in a way where you could actually grab hold of dy how dynamic I my gift really is or how dynamic I am as a person. So that's that's absolutely amazing. So kind of getting into that, I know what I saw when I, you know, we meet on LinkedIn, you know, we, you know how it is. You go check f folks out, you know, you go do your quick little research. And I'm like, dudes, artwork is like, this is like some old, nanotechnology <laughs> <laughs> with graphic design. Like it was some of the, I still, I still believe it's like, you know, you, you kill it with the Knicks this not too, not too long ago, but like, how does that part of your, your style, like at what point do you actually settle in and like, I actually have a branded form of art that's my own. Like that to me was like really crazy. Well, thanks. Well, you know, I actually developed that style when I was in college, when, when I was at SVA. I remember bringing in, it was my sophomore year, I was bringing in a piece of work that was kind of mixed media, like watercolor, tape, collage. And I showed it to my professor and he was like, he probably he paused for probably like 30 seconds just mm -hmm. looking at it, not saying a word. And then finally he looked up, he's like, you got something here. Mm. And then he goes, keep doing what you're doing. And then from there, I mean, that's another point. Like, you know, that was another professor that kind of said there was something there. Yeah. And so I went, I went for it. And then I was like, oh, I, I can't let this dude down either. So I'm going to go, <laughs> you know? I love how you actually like, I don't want, you have a teammate mentality. You know, not, not a lot of like professionals kind of adopt the mindset of I can't let this guy down. Yeah. That's that's like that's like super dope in, in your evolution of how you actually stacked wins and built the foundation to to move toward excellence. Like that's my whole mentality. I think there's a lot of things that I do well, but the the one thing I'm not going to do is let my teammate down. Yeah. Like I, I I'm far more socially motivated than I am in like intrinsically motivated. And I don't think it has to be a you know either or thing like but that's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty dope that you acknowledge that. So like, you know, one thing I like to ask, like, in my, in my opinion, when I see, when I see, you know, the work of Jason Atianza, you work with the, the hottest brands, you've been featured in Complex Magazine. I mean, when I say the hottest brands, I'm talking about with Vera Bradley, um, Nikes. I mean, like you, you've, I'm like, this dude has done it. And so like, what was, you know, you know, when we say catch the moment, 
what, up to this point, and, this, and there's more to come, but what was your moment, like your crowning moment that either you're most proud of or that you like, okay, we're here, baby. Oh man, I would probably have to say, <clears throat> excuse me, I would probably have to say when I when I got my job at BBDO, like, you know, as soon as I got in. Yeah. And here's a funny story how I got in. Talk to me. To BBDO. So, so yeah, you know, after graduating SBA, I, I sent out my portfolio to all the different agencies that I wanted to work for. Yeah. And BBDO was one of them. And my, uh, one of my classmates that I graduated with, he ended up getting hired right out of school because he, he got the, the advertising scholarship that I, when I got the, the, the graphic design scholarship, he got yeah. the advertising scholarship. And so he ended up getting hired there at BBDO. And so, so one day, this was like uh, maybe a couple months after graduating, uh, he's, he's already been working and he's like, hey, come over, let's grab lunch and I can show you my office, you know, my little cubicle or whatever. At, at yeah. the so I went in af afterwards and, and so we're just hanging out talking and one of his coworkers was there and he goes, hey, by the way, have, have you popped into you know, the creative recruiter's office, she's, she's the one that I've been kind of like nagging every other week, the, calling, saying, hey, how's my portfolio doing? Are you, are you hiring <laughs> art directors yet? She's like, no, but call back in a couple of weeks. And I would, I would literally call back every other week, like just being a pain. The, and so she only knew me by my name, but never met me before. So he goes, hey, why don't you go to her office? It's right down the hallway and just pop your head in there. So she knows at least who you are. Yeah. So what I ended up doing was I got a bottle of Windex, a bunch of paper napkins, and her, his, his uh, coworker escorted me down to the hallway. Okay. And right before I walked in, there was, it was her and her assistant talking right after lunch. And right before I walk in, I take off my shirt, right? Okay. And I hand it to her and, and I walk in to the office with the bottle of Windex and paper in hand. And I was like, Hey, how's it going? I'm in here to clean your computer screens. They paused. They looked at each other. They looked at me. They're like, is this a joke? <laughs> and I was like, look, lady, I was just told to come in and clean, and clean your screens. So I started cleaning her computer screen. After I was done, her assistant's like, hey, can you clean mine? I'm like, sure. Where is it? It's right, right outside the hall. So I walk out. The girl holding my shirt is still standing there. She, she, she sees me go in. She's like, what are you doing? So I go in, I clean, I clean her, her uh, computer screen and I come back and the two ladies come running out. They're like, oh my God, who is this guy? Who is this guy? <laughs> and so I just bypass them, go back into the, her office and I put a little napkin on her desk. She comes back, opens it up and it says, compliments of Jason Atienza. She goes, oh my God, you're Jason Atienza? Yeah. You got a lot of balls. <laughs> and, Big balls, folks. Big <laughs> balls. <laughs> and so what ended up happening, she goes, you know what? Let me see what I can do. I'll give you a call, you know, next week. So literally after I left, I was told that like she took my portfolio, brought it into the executive creative director's office, put it on his desk. And he, she's just like, just look at it. Mm. He flipped through it and he said, get him in here. And literally the next day, I got a call from her. It's like, hey, can you start today? I was like, can I start tomorrow? Because I'm, I'm wrapping up this freelance gig right now. <laughs> and then, I mean, that's pretty much how, how bro. my journey into advertising started. Bro, you, I love it. Bro, you talk about creating opportunities. And, and that's whether it's your person, whether it's your skill, right? And obviously you had the belief in yourself, but you, you created that opportunity. That, that wasn't something that your portfolio created. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like, I just need to put this in the front, in front of the right people. Mm. So, cause putting it in, you know, you could have the best portfolio ever, but if no, not the right people see it, it's not going to go anywhere. Mm. And the thing is too, like a lot of these, you know, the creative, the creative recruiters at agencies, there's hundreds of portfolios sitting in their office, like stacked. And I, I witnessed it. I was like, oh man, I, like, you know, I'm like, how are these people going to get through, you know? And so man. I just kind of just went for it. <laughs> what Bro. did I have to lose? <laughs> that's fantastic. So that that's, like I said, that's the moment that obviously begins to kick off, you know. So like in light of, you know, because I'm, I'm really, I honestly, I'm like a, such a big fan of your, the, the style of art. Like when does it begin to take shift? Because you're working, you're working with an advertising, uh, an advertising agency. When does your art begin to come outside of the business? Meaning like when is, 
the company starting to show up like, who the heck is this Atianza guy? Can we, you know, like, so how does that part of being a, you know, an employee as a, as a creative guy to I'm Jason Atianza, oh, the boss. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Cause I have kind of two sides. I have like the advertising Jason Atianza and then I have the art Jason Atianza, uh-huh. you know? And so when I, when I started at BBDO, I actually stopped painting for like two years. Oh, because I wanted to, you know, create work, create advertising work that would, you know, win awards and, uh, you know, like, like take my career to another place. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so there was a lot of different people that I respected that, you know, that were doing a lot of amazing work for like Snickers, Pepsi, HBO, you name it. And I got beef with Snickers. Uh (laughs) Let me get this real quick. Let me get real quick. So, you know. I'm sure Giants probably have some relationship with Snickers. They you know fun size Snickers, which is way better than the full size Snicker. And that's what they did, man. They did a fun size Snicker ad and they had a peanut on top of the fun size joint. Like, man, y'all could have just, you know, threw your boy, just threw your boy some money. Get David Tyree in there with the Snicker bar. We could have we could have made that happen. But no, they want to go get all creative. I hope that wasn't your idea. No. No, man. man. Talk to me, man. Talk to me about yeah, so like my my first two years in advertising, I wanted to make a, a name for myself creatively. And so I stopped painting and, you know, it was, it was kind of, I guess you can say, well, not not that it was hard, but I just felt like, oh man, I, I felt like I was missing something. Mm. So as I was still creating like ad campaigns, you know, picking up a brush and all that, I, I just felt like I needed to do that again because yeah. I, I kind of lost my, my way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of like geared it's, to it. It's like Jedi. Part. It's like a Jedi. You know, you, you came you came into corporate a little too, you leaned in too heavy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. And and so um, actually one of the creative directors kind of inspired me. I would walk by this creative director's office and there was literally a pile of paintings on his desk, but he was never in there. So okay. one, you know, one day I, I, I finally popped my head in and he was in there. He's like, hey, come sit down. You know, I, I was always the person that would just like pop into people's offices and start talking to them like nice. you know, at, at the office. And so he gave me a li- his little spiel that, you know, he was, he's been in the business for 30 years and the, the, the pile of paintings on his, on his desk has been for the past 10 years. And, you know, he started out as an illustrator, okay. but he stopped painting and he said that, you know, when he got into advertising, he stopped painting for 20 years. And so this past 10 years of work that was on his desk is, was, you know, what he created. Wow. And he said that, you know, no matter what you do, don't ever stop painting. So literally the next day I applied back to like, you know, the school of visual arts to continue ed classes to paint on weekends because the agency pays for, you know, whatever it is that you need, um, nice. like to help, to help like further you into oh, you know, art direction. And so I took advantage of that. Absolutely. I got back into, you know, kind of developing my style mm-hmm. um, that I'm known for and kind of just created a whole body of work. And then from there, you know, having relationships with production companies nice. that work with the advertising agencies, they wanted to do like, hey, we want to do a solo show of your stuff. Uh, and so from there, things started kind of snowballing into like all this other like opportunities with my art. Yep. And then, you know, I'd be on a shoot and someone would be like, we'd be kind of setting up a shot. And while we're setting up, I'm talking to the client. I'm like, yeah, by the way, I paint. They're like, oh, really? <laughs> you're just show, you're showing your, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you know? And so that kind of thing, so I started like going under the radar and you yeah, know, kind of, of putting myself out there. And then that's when things just started happening. You Start know? snowballing. Yeah. Just sprinkling, sprinkling these glory, these glory seeds out into the, into the mass. You got to, man. Well, listen, your, 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 your work is, is like I said, it's, it's, to me, it's like the perfect blend of the, the, it's futuristic, but it also has like this organized element of like a little Picasso-ish, like, like, you know, and I'm like, I'm not even like that deep in the heart, but I'm like, yo, this is dope, man. How, Thanks, how can man. I get on team out the and my boy? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's fantastic, man. All right. So you got so many um, accomplishments, twists and turns that, you know, I don't even know if we're going to be able to capture them all, but I do, I, I do got a double back right here because the most in, intriguing thing when I kind of start looking into, you know, who you are and what you've done, I'm like, you're, 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 you're living in Shanghai, right? So yep. Like, bro, so, and I'm not talking about, like, you went you went to Shanghai. You lived in Shanghai for uh, how long? I lived in Shanghai for six years. Bro, that's freaking, it's crazy. All right, so, 
So I right, tell me tell me when this pivot happens and, and you know obviously you know there's there's a couple other monumental yeah. moments that we certainly got to get to but talk to me about the pivot in Shanghai what the experience was like how you grew Oh man so I you know after after you know my 10 decade stint over at BBDO New yeah, York yeah. I started freelancing and you know through those years as I was freelancing I got an opportunity in two th- early 2014 I get a call from Wyden and Kennedy, Portland, saying, "Hey, we have an opportunity. The only thing it is, it, the only thing it's in China." Okay. And I'm like, "Oh, damn. Um, okay." <laughs> <laughs> That's the proper response, too. <laughs> and so I was like, "Let me get back to you and let me talk to my wife about this." Yeah. And so, so you know, at the time, I mean, we were just newly married, didn't have any kids, and you know, we had our honeymoon in Bali, and we, you know, okay. when we were out there, we we're like, "Oh, we need to be out in Asia more." And so when this opportunity came up to go out to China, we're like, all right, F it, let's do it. Dope. You know, and so even though we didn't understand the language and all that, I, I was like, you know what? I mean, I'm sure it's going to be super hard, but it's going to be an experience of a lifetime. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you only get those windows. And when you, when you, when those windows of opportunity come up, like you just have to take it. Yeah. So true. And, you know, I, I like we felt like, you know, at least... If, if anything, it would be a crazy experience, an adventure, yep. and a crazy story probably, you know, we, we can <laughs> tell to our kids. <laughs> what, what was the greatest, like, you know, like I said, six years there, and obviously, you, you know, you're, you're getting established, doing business. What was the greatest takeaway, like, that either enhanced your career or your person from living and doing business in China? Well, you know, so when I, when I got out there, you know, I was brought out to be a creative director on the Nike account at Widen. Okay. And so I was working on, you know, the, the campaigns for the China market. Got it. And, you know, I mean, that was definitely tough because I had to kind of just refigure like what I knew about advertising. And, you know, I remember one of the executive, executive creative directors said to me, was like, whatever you know about advertising, throw it out the window. And Gosh. I said, what? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Because he's like, yeah, because this is China. I was like, and I'll, uh, I go, oh man. Okay, so so what does that mean, and how does that? I mean, obviously, it's a totally different country with different values, and it, so like, how does that ch- shift your whole experience? It, it's just, just I guess the way things were presented, or okay. the the way like clients think, or you know, there's a lot of little nuances that you know you would you wouldn't know unless you're there and actually okay. living it, living in the culture, and really understanding like what their mentality is and how they think. Mm. And so you know, that first year, I was kind of just learning everything and and just making all kinds of mistakes, you know? <laughs> Cause you go into, like, I, I remember going into China, like, like a bull in a, in a China shop, right? No doubt. And thinking like, oh yeah, I'm gonna bring in my New York mentality in here, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know, if you can live in New York, you can live anywhere. But <laughs> man, I got hit, hit in the, I got punched in the face how many, how many times. <laughs> That's fantastic. And, and so that really like woke me up, I remember, Someone told me that, you know, you know, if you can work 18 hours a day here, you'll do well. And I said, what? And oh. I was, that, that's literally what happened the first like six months that I was there. And I, I barely saw my wife and it was, Ooh. it was really hard. All right. So I got it. That's, that's one of those, you know, under the cover. How was that for real? Cause like we talk a lot about how dynamic your career and accomplishments were, but from a person well-being, relationship, maybe your wife, how does that affect, you know, this, this, this journey? Was that a rocky phase for you? It, yeah, you know, I, I would say it was probably one of my most rocky phases because I felt like I lost myself. You know, mm. even my wife told me that, like, I lost myself when I first got to China because I didn't know who I was, mm. right? So I had to figure it out, you know, and through all, like, the, the mistakes that I was making and yeah. just all the different things that w- was happening during that time. I mean, things were changing. I mean, you know, they they didn't embrace like the the foreigners coming in there the expats okay but you know i i felt like i was in my own bubble trying to figure out what china was mm. but i made a mistake that you know like i was trying to make it what it's not, what it's not okay and until someone told me that like you know what when you come here just embrace the culture mm. and you'll be less frustrated than you trying to change the culture there you go and so <laughs> when i when i when i thought about it, I was like, oh man, let me, let me see, let me try that, <laughs> right? You gotta ride the wave instead of going against the yeah, grain. Yeah, and then, because 
people would do certain things and I would be frustrated because it wasn't the right way that it should be done. Yeah. But, you know, then once I started embracing the culture and, you know, how things are done a lot differently, even though it's not the way I want to do it, but yeah. it's just the way like it is out there. There you go. So things started happening, you know, Good. and it took, it took over a year for me to, to realize that and, you know, experience all that because a lot of times a lot of expats go out there to work. They don't last a, a year because mm -hmm. of the frustrations of the culture and, and, and everything. Terminology was, you know, like not from, you know, like was living in the U S now is got it. Now living in a, in a, in a foreign country. Yeah. I bet. I, 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 I'm not the one that can act like I know. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. No, that's, 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 that's really amazing, man. So, you know, I'm going to get back into, you know, I want to get back into, like, like I said, let's call them some top three, you know, whether it's pieces, moments, but before I do that, like, you, it's easy to focus so much on what somebody does, but, you know, like, who is Jason Atianza, right? So when you're an artist, it's easy to kind of get into the background, you know, get back into your creative spaces and, you know, like your work speaks for you instead of you maybe speaking for you. So ultimately, although you have these like reigning accomplishments, what makes you whole? Like I said, now you have a wife, a family. How do you maintain stability? What's your ecosystem that allows you to thrive and be your best you? Who is that? Who is that? I mean, you know, my wife, my little kids, mm -hmm. just kind of being fortunate enough to like wake up every morning with them and yeah. kind of just seeing them, I'm like, oh man, you know, whatever I have to do, even if I'm afraid to do something, like I just need to do it for my family. And That's where the motivation. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I think, you know, it's just one of those things that I, f I feel that you need something to kind of like help justify like why you do certain things or why you, why you push hard. You yeah. Know? And so, so they're, they're the ones that really like, they're like the, the North star for me. Nice. You know what I mean? Nice. And so, so yeah, I mean, fam family is everything and being able to, you know, see them grow up and, you know, hopefully like inspire them to, you know, go, go follow their passions or whatever they want to do. No, that's fantastic. It's dynamic. So how long have you been married to hold your children? We've been, uh, you know, well, m my wife and I, we've been married 10 years. We just had a, our winning anniversary. There you go. The got day. the diamond, baby. Yeah, man. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. I'm a big celebrator of that, man. You know, just committed people, you know, healthy is healthy for you, healthy for the for the kids and the children. Two children, right? Yeah, two children. My son just turned four and my, my daughter is uh, tw 20 months old. Oh, yeah. Y'all grinding. Yeah. All right. We're, we're, we're in it. Y'all are in things, man. Y'all are in it, man. <laughs> So like I said, I'm, I'm OG Papa over here, you know, my oldest 20, youngest eight. So I, I want to get back to, you know, kind of that piece. Like you, what what has been, I think as I'm listening to more of your story, it's like, man, you've had a lot of like, I don't want to call them like pivots, but a lot of moments that I'm sure are filled with meanings. What have been some of those, whether they're, like I said, the, the Shanghai experience or work, a commission piece or give me a couple of those that are like some of your more impactful, prouder moments that, you know, and, and maybe what was some of the meaning behind that? What that meant to you? Oh man. Well, for first, when I ended up becoming a full-time artist in China, mm. that's kind of like one of the pivots, like after, after leaving Wyden and, and um, working on my own and finally kind of jumping headfirst into becoming an, uh, an artist, like yeah. full-time artist. Full-time. That was, that was, that was scary, but at the same time, like I just needed to do it. Yeah. And it was one of my first clients. I mean, you know, my dream come true Nike client came, like it had nothing to do with me working at Widen on Nike for them to come to me to say, hey, we want, we want to um, collaborate with you on a project. So it, it, it had something, you know, I like after I started when I, after I left advertising and just started kind of doing my own thing and trying to create something within, you know, Shanghai and just, just anything, I, I just picked up any kind of thing, yeah. whether it's, you know, doing a collaboration with a, a juice or, or, or doing like a, a little office mural yeah, or, or whatever. So just put it, start starting to put my art out there yep. and then, you know, more, more traction started coming. And then all of a sudden Nike calls and, and says, Hey, we saw your stuff. You know, we'd love to collaborate with you. Fantastic. And that literally changed everything because that first assignment was to, to do a mural, to do the facade for their a Nike Kicks Lounge store in Shanghai, their first one. 
That's tight. And, you know, I was like, man, I need to like crush this assignment because <laughs> after that, then, you know, things will start rolling in. And I, I did, I, I killed myself to like make this thing happen. Yeah. And, you know, just like work night and day until, you know, it was complete. But then right after that, the, the design director of retail was like, oh man, you, get, you did a great job. I have another assignment for you, but it's a long shot. I was like, all right, cool. Okay. And he said that, you know, this, this, the team has been working on it for the past four months, but the, you know, it, it would be for Jordan. And so, Ooh, my God. so they're like, <laughs> <laughs> so because you know, he's like, yeah, they're building the biggest Jordan store in Asia in, wow. Be in Beijing. And so this was the assignment. And he said that like the team that, that Jordan brought on to, to work on it, they weren't, you know, they weren't it wasn't liking get, they weren't getting it done. Yeah. They weren't liking the, the, the stuff that was being presented. Yeah. So he's like, Hey, he, Hey, why don't you throw in some ideas and see, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Literally, like a couple of days later, I I presented a couple some work. He's like, "Oh, these are great." Presented it to, to the Jordan Global team, and they loved it. They're like, "Go do it!" And so oh. I was like, "Oh man, this is crazy!" I just <laughs> I just got off a, a Nike thing. Now I'm doing a Jordan thing, and so I was like, "Oh, by the way, who was the who was the the team or studio that was working on this thing that that didn't come through?" He was yeah. like, "Oh, uh, do you know Ai Weiwei? He he's one yeah. of the." most like uh, prolific like Chinese artists. Oh uh, yeah, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I know Jason Atiyah. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he's like, yeah, well, it was him in his studio that um, worked on, that worked on it. Uh, well, you, you kind of just took it from them. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Knocking down giants out here, brother. I was like, wow, that's crazy. I can't even believe that. And um, that I, don't, I don't know, I don't know him well enough to know whether it was a Giants Patriots moment. But, you know, it kind of feels, it's kind of, oh. you know, it's feeling like some of that kind of energy, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> and and that's that's when things started rolling. And as as I was doing more projects, you're you pretty much, once you're in the Nike ecosystem, ecosystem brother, you're getting passed around to all different departments. And oh, they're working you like a tide hooker. That was just like <laughs> a whole nother level of like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Bro, because people don't get it. Every brand has so much value these days, but in in our era, Nike was it. Yeah. Like you know, like those 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 '90s. I'm like, I'm I'm still stuck on. For the most part, I, I rock a nice pair of kicks and you know a couple of other random brands, but it's still Nike for me. I'm still stuck. I'm like, yeah. I mean, same here, man. I mean, yeah. That's that's trust me. I totally I I, I like totally get it. So so now we're talking Nike. Um, obviously Jordan, that's, that's, that's kind of like next level, right? Like that, I mean, that's, that's a mountain cause they're, even though they're within the same, um, ecosystem, definitely a totally different leap up to, to work with the Jordan brand. Yeah. Um, all right. So we, we mentioned this offline. You got to bring me back to this. Like you go on your site, you see all these pieces, but we might not make all the connection and there's an Obama piece in there. Yeah. So talk to me about how that came together. You know, were you in Shanghai or? No, I, I was still living in New York City. Okay. Um, it's January, January 2009. You know, Obama okay, gets it. elected first black president, you know, in the U.S. Fire, fire. Everyone is just, you know, on fire. Yeah, I mean, everyone is super excited. <laughs> um, so uh, there was this gallery show called Manifest Hope that was being put together. Okay. Um, and, you know, from... Uh, all the artists from from around the U.S. Um, kind of like supporting, you know, Obama and just kind of just like gathering around to kind of celebrate his inauguration. Yeah. And so I was fortunate to be able to be a part of that. I mean, one of my boys, he uh, he he hooked me up with the the curator of of that show like no. la last minute, and said, "Hey, you know, you need to get Jason in here." And like, I literally, I mean. So at the time I was, you know, still freshly dating my, you know, my yeah. wife who was my girlfriend back then. Okay, no and doubt. I remember being at the like LaGuardia Airport waiting for my flight to uh, to Cleveland because mm -hmm. I was spending uh, Christmas Christmas at, you know with her family, and so I was painting like Obama's portrait like on all like, in the midst of this. Yeah, and and <laughs> dude, it was it was wild, man. But. uh it was like one of those last minute things. I was like, you know what? I just need to do this. I'm not going to sleep. I'm just going to just make it happen. And then from there, I was able to create it and 
ship ship the piece down to DC for the, for the show. Yeah. So me and my wife and some friends, we drove down to DC to be part of the the whole you know um, manifest. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it was wild because you know oh. one of my like like influencer uh, like artists from like all over. I mean, like Shepard Ferry, who started the whole you know the hope campaign yeah. with Obama that kind of like kickstarted everything Got with it. all that stuff. Got it. Um, and then being a part of that with all these other amazing artists from around the U.S. Um, was just like a dream come true. I mean, it was another mind-boggling moment. You know? Yeah. I can't even believe I'm here. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's surreal. Like, you know, like I said, obviously, we, I think we sh I share a lot of, um, you know, just affection for your work. And, and, you know, of course, when you got that Jersey grit, you, you know, like I, I kind of understand that, you know, people don't get it when I say why, why I kind of feel so passionate about Jersey because, you know, in, in so many different ways, it's like the stepchild to New York City, right? Like, so we get our, we get ragged on. Yep. Turnpike smells of putrid, you know, <laughs> and you were over there in Jersey City for a while in your years growing up, but it's, it's, I, it's, it's surreal when you come from that little garden, that little garden state, that little sliver, but you got the, the, the grit the determination and the posture. Not that that's not happened in other places, but, and and now you're right here manifesting hope in like one of the greatest moments of, you're a part of that in, in even some small way. Like, like how does, how does that, like, I know your, your kids are so young yeah. to, to the point where they don't have a clue, which is, which is good sometimes too, but like, what is going to be your proudest thing? And, and there's more to come, but what is your proudest thing to like, that I've shaped Yeah, yeah. My kids? Oh, that's a bar. I hope everybody heard that's, that. That's probably like, probably anything that I create will never like over past, you know, creating my kids. Yeah. With my best friend and my wife, you know. That's fantastic, man. Because that, you see, I kind of feel the same way. That's why I had seven of them. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, you know, my wife is hot. I like her a lot, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> getting pretty good at dropping these babies off. <laughs> But no, it really is the like the ultimate give back, right? Like the ultimate surreal rush of understanding that not only did you create something with such beauty, and I'm talking about, you know, we got some trials in the human experience, you know, just a safe, healthy child is a gift. But when you see them, they're yours. Yeah. It's like, wow. And <laughs> I still can't believe it. I'm like, wow, we have two kids. I mean, <laughs> you know, my mom, she was the oldest of 11 kids. Yeah. And my dad was... She was, he was the second oldest. He had six sisters. I mean, yeah. I'm not even kidding you. I have like first, like 50 first cousins, like on my mom's side. Bro. That I've, I haven't met like. That's a cartel, man. percent of them. It's crazy. <laughs> That's a cartel, man. Y'all, y'all legal, right? Hustle, make sure. No, you good. <laughs> That's crazy, bro. Yeah. It's, it's wild. But like, you know, for us to have like two healthy baby boy and baby girl, yeah. um, you know, is a blessing. And, uh, you know, we're so fortunate. Man, I, I love these different depots and journeys and experiences that, you know, your gift, your skill. And honestly, just like I said, your, your own vision and determination, like betting on yourself going to China. Yeah. Like just looking for a new experience. So you kind of have this real pioneering, explorative element as you're growing as a professional. So here we go. Um, so your different depots, your journey, you know, and even better, just your, 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 your faith, that idea of just looking for a new experience, taking that risk, betting on yourself. That's so clear to me. And, but like, you've been trying with some adversity, right? So, you know, we, we meet each other right in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think you was in like Ohio at the time. Talk yeah. to me how you almost like you got spewed out of. Oh man. So yeah, I mean, you know, we pretty much got plucked out of, of China because of COVID. Yeah. You know, it was January, 2020. It was right, right when we were getting back from uh, we 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 took a holiday trip over to Vietnam. I, okay. I, I clearly remember this. It was January third, and oh, that's uh, my birthday. Oh yeah, Bad. Oh snap! What's going on on January third? I hope that's what's <laughs> up. <laughs> no doubt, we in the building. <laughs> um, and so literally, because I I played basketball, pick up basketball over at the Nike campus. Okay, hi. And so I decided, oh, I'm gonna go play some ball like the day after we get back. And literally, so I go over, I jump up for a rebound, I land on someone's foot, and my my knee snaps, my my knee pops. What? I end up getting ACL and meniscus repair, so I was out for the whole that whole year. 
Really? COVID. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. I was like, man, Jan- 2020, this is the most terrible year ever. Like, You're an aging athlete, Jay. Oh, man. <laughs> it, was, it was wild. And, that and sucks. So, so that happened. So I'm, I'm in the hospital after um, getting operated on. I turn on the news, and it's like, there's been this infection in Wuhan, China, you know, 42 <laughs> people. You know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Starts bubbling. I was like, yeah, whatever. I turn off. I turn it off, right? <laughs> I get home and it's like, now that 42 people has been now like 400 people infected, mm. we're going we're gonna to lock down the whole, you know, city of Wuhan. Mm. 20 million people. We're like, oh, damn. Okay. Man, 20 million in Wuhan. Yeah. And then, then like the, literally the next day, it was like from like 400 to like a thousand, over a thousand people infected. So now they're now they're locking down 60 million people in the province where Wuhan is in in, in Hubei province. Wow. And so at that moment, me and my wife were like, we need to get the f out of here <laughs> because we need we can't get locked down because at the time my wife was 10 weeks pregnant. Oh snap! Yeah, she was 10 weeks pregnant with our daughter. The COVID chronicles be real, bro. Yeah. So literally, we got a one-way ticket to Ohio, where my in-laws are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like two weeks after my my uh, knee operation, I I mean, I was literally on like you know, <laughs> so, uh, like so you fresh thinners. off of ACL surgery. Oh my god, I was getting injected in my stomach with uh, with needles f- for like the blood thinner for the flight. Oh wow! Because you know, no pills. No, no pills. Was, Sheesh. Yeah, it was it was cr- it was probably one of the most painful things I ever had to do. Um, so we leave, we get to LAX as a connecting flight mm-hmm. and no one's checking temperatures or anything like that. And, you know, we're, me and my wife and our son, son we're, we're wearing masks. Oh, snap. And people are looking at us like we're like crazy and like, what the heck are you doing? Like, you guys are weird. <laughs> and we're like, do you know what is coming this way? Do you know what's happening? Bro. No, no one knew. No one. No one cared. Whatever. Not at all. Nothing. So this is in January. January. Wow. It was January thirty first. I remember because that day we were we were at the airport and then I, we look up at the at one of the monitors and it said like yeah, D Trump whatever he he's he's like announcing that they're 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 closing the borders to China. Yep. And so we just got there so like the day that we landed. Oh snap, bro! Yeah, so we're like, oh my god! So you slid in the home plate. We slid in, and then we get to Ohio. Um, people are like, "Why are you wearing masks? You're not sick." You know, we were getting all <laughs> kinds of whatever, and we're like, "Oh my god!" Getting beat up for being safe. Yeah, and people still didn't know because it was it was like it took a while January February, and it wasn't Fe- until like February we were still like you yeah, know people low were key. still traveling and mm-hmm. you know doing stuff and. It wasn't until like March, like mid March, people were like, "Oh well, we need to take this seriously because people were dropping like flies." Well, I'm t- I know it was March because it was you know when the NBA it was you know we yeah you know America was all we about our sports. Once the NBA players oh. got hit, and and I'll never forget it. I was I, I'm not I think it was I feel like it was Go Go Bear Go Bear yeah Rudy Go Bear yep. And and it might have been like a you know it was still a little bit of he was gagging, and then it was like a week later. Yeah. Boom! Shut everything down. Yeah, shut, NBA shut down the you know shut down the uh, the season. And it was like, oh okay, we in bad shape, bro. Oh, man, <laughs> and then it, that was around the time that you know I ended up getting I renewed my passport. We we drove down to DC to renew my passport because we like really we couldn't yeah because we had to go to a Chinese consulate that was only open in DC. So we had to go there to get our new papers because we were we were planning to fly back in the March. Because when we left in January, we we're like, oh, we're, we're going to leave and come back in a couple months and yeah. see what happens. And literally the day um, we were about to fly, China closes their borders to anyone coming in from like from anywhere. Damn. And so if we took that flight, we would have been stuck in Tokyo. <laughs> oh, bro. And yeah, so that happened. And we ended up, we ended up uh, staying in Ohio, living yeah. in my in-law's basement for a year and a half. We only thought we were only going to be there for a couple months. Ooh, baby, I thought I had it rough. I got my own COVID chronicle. We ain't going. We ain't going. Yeah, it was. It was. It was challenging because you know, I mean, love the in laws and all, but like <laughs> our life was taken away from us. One hundred percent. And so you know, coming from Shanghai to Ohio as a whole, like it's night and day. Oh my goodness, and I can't even like you know, I can't even see it. You know, God bless Ohio, but I know it ain't Shanghai. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like you know the. 
the creativity. I mean, just every, every, everything. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people were going through all kinds of stuff too. Oh like, yeah. Everyone absolutely. was going through everything through COVID. Yes. Yes. You know, everybody. No doubt. But for us, we were just like, all right, you know what? We're, we're just going to stay put here until, you know, things get a little bit better. And then we just decided like, you know what? We want, we need to just go out West. Okay. Um, so that's when we moved out here to Vegas uh, last summer. Man. Because we needed to like get our life back. Change it, change the definitely change scenery. Like y'all here. Yeah. But I, yeah, I found it to be the most profound thing, man. Just, just like n number one, of course, taking some, you know, risk, career, new opportunities, created opportunities. But, you know, there's nothing like having to endure some something that you really weren't prepared for. Now you got your family in the saddle and, you know, just kind of climbing your way out. So it, it, it proved to me, man, like, you know, your, your, you know, your work resume has already proved, you know, what kind of skill engineer you are. But like when, when you manage in life, family in the midst of it. So, you know, what has it taught you about yourself? And, you know, has it been any kind of, you know, like as, as you've now arrived back? In, in this budding city, you know, Vegas is like, is, is really about to hit his, hit his prime, although Vegas has always been Vegas. But now we're starting to see crazy industry, sport, um, oh, yeah, Web3. It's like, you know, Vegas is looking like it, the, the next, you know. It's definitely a different Vegas than when I was here because, I mean, I mean, I was coming out here for the past four years, even when I was living in China um, during CES. Okay. You know, because a lot of my clients would come out here for, for stuff and like I would do some collaborations for technology brands. And, and so, you know, kind of like started falling in love with, with Vegas and just kind of just starting to know the city more. Right. And so it wasn't like one of those things where I was just like, oh, let's just, where are we going to go? Yeah, yeah. So at least somewhere that we're familiar with. And yep. then on top of that, I think Vegas has the biggest Chinatown in the U.S. Get out it's of like here. miles long. Are you, how, how have I never heard of that? But you know what? I ain't heard enough. Let me just be honest. Yeah, I'll be over I here. Mean, spring, spring Mountain. <laughs> there's so many. I mean, I I feel that there's a little bit of China in Vegas because there's a lot, things are big. Yeah, and you know, like there's there's a big Asian community here. That's tight. Um, and so I didn't feel like we were leaving Asia. We were still we were still like yeah. You in, found in your community in the community. Yeah, it's friggin' dope. And so you know, and then I know that. We always thought about moving out to California when we got back to the U.S., but you know, with with things going on and yeah. the prices and everything, Ooh. those guys they're moving out this way. And so, yeah, we I mean, we we love the desert. We love just being like by the mountains, and nice. and we just thought that Vegas was a is, was a good fit because we were we we'd still be in the suburbs, like right outside of the outside of Vegas, yeah, in, in Henderson area, no doubt. But if you wanted like a little bit of you know whatever we, we can hit, hit, hit the strip. Hit the strip. Trust me. They got everything you want out here. They ain't got that much that I want, <laughs> <laughs> but they definitely got everything you want out here. So, you know, kind of wrap, wrapping this through, man. So talk to me about, you know, actually there's, you know, I always got to get to, to the, this is, this is the fun moment for me, you know, in, in light of us growing up in, in Jersey, having New York city roots and those things, where were you when you when you saw the helmet catch Super Bowl Forty Two, and you know any story or context that you have related to that moment? Oh man, you know what? There is this editing company in New York. They always throw these big Super Bowl parties because a lot of times BBDO like they would use this editing company to like cut all their like Super Bowl spots. Okay, and so they threw this big Super Bowl party, and I remember the big screen and like there was all these seats. There was like, you know all kinds of food and drinks and people were talking and all this other stuff. And I remember me, me and a couple of friends like sat down and we're like, Oh man, there's only a, like a couple minutes left or whatever. And like, I don't know where this is going to go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and li literally when you made that catch every, like beers were being thrown up in the air. I got wet with beer. <laughs> like, you know, like everyone went berserk. It's <laughs> crazy. That moment. I just, I'll never forget that moment and that feeling when, when that happened, because we knew like, oh man, from there that, you know, we got to, this. Yeah. And that feeling, I, I can still feel that feeling that I felt when you, when you caught that in, on, on your head. Yeah. No doubt. And it was just one of those things where like, oh man, especially, you know, being a Giants fan and uh, coming up and just seeing, seeing, you know, your your home home team kind of just do their thing and yeah that oh man that you know it 
It was oh. it was amazing. That's, that's that's so dope. I've always enjoyed the stories because, like I said, for me, all these moments, right, and these moments that you've accrued through your through your experience, through your craft, through your, I mean, your skills, they they have meaning attached to them, and it's like I said, the the feeling, and and that's what excellence and achievement it inspires. So, man, I I just want to thank you just for you know paving this pathway through your art, your life your perseverance, man, like everything that I've known, known you to be over the last couple of years is like super duper inspiring. Cause I, I told you, I'm not, I, I'm, I've been that dude. I feel like I've been living in a bunker <laughs> in this, not, not in the sports world, but in like the real life world. Like I'm, I tell you, I'm every, I'm the every, I'm the everyday man's champion because I don't live a fabricated life. And, but like I said, people like you proved to me the the, how, how how every life inspires and now everybody's more than just their moment, man. So, man, thanks so much for sharing 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 yeah, so man. much of your story with us, bro. I appreciate it, brother. Nah, man, like you like I said, you you're definitely at the forefront of of your industry, and I know there's you know this is the age of the creator, and you, and you stand out as a giant amongst the rest, man. So appreciate your life, your story, man. Thanks for coming to being a guest with us. Thank man. you, thank you, man. Listen, man, I ain't even gonna end that with no no cheesy stuff. We good. 